0: This morning, Acts chapter 12, we're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 23 today and uh, we'll look at the the text throughout the message and just for uh, context sake, uh, we want to read verse number 5 and verse number 12, Okay. Verse number 5 and verse number 12. And so why don't we read together corporately this morning, beginning in verse number 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying. The title of my message this morning is From Prayer to Praise. You'll see the points on the screen today and different principles that I have for us. But uh, let's pray right now for God to do his perfect work in this message. Father in heaven, Lord, I've studied this passage diligently. I've thought through every word. I've prayed Uh, continuously for you to help me to deliver a message to your people and God I've prayed for this service and ask you to do what only you can to draw yourself to everyone here and now I pray for your help that you would guide and direct my words my thoughts my delivery in seeking to bring your people unto you. And if there's one here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that you'll get their attention today and cause them and lead them to make a decision to accept you. Father, may we know without a doubt that today we've been in the presence of the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. From prayer to praise. If you're in the ministry long enough or faithfully live the Christian life, for that matter, the days, the weeks, the months, the years, they're marked by periods of ups and downs. Every pastor will tell you that there are, there are Sundays... When the power of God is evident. And you finish the day looking back over the day. And you just stand in awe of all that God has done. But every pastor will also tell you that there are some Sundays you give it your absolute best. You preach what God has directed you to preach. And at the end of the day you feel like you have failed miserably. There is a common among preachers that we're praising God on Sunday and we're ready to quit on Monday. And that is one of the reasons why on social media on Sunday night I post things that I'm thankful about for Sunday to encourage my own spirit. If not for everyone else, it's to it's to think of the things that God has done and worthy of His praise. As we live out our Christian life, there are periods when we are Filled with joy and we we find peace in knowing that we're walking close to the Lord. You, You read your Bible and it's as if God is sitting in the chair next to you and he has his arm around your shoulder and he is drawing you close and he is speaking directly to you. And there are times when you are praying, and, and I'm going to tell you something, God is listening, and you get up, and it seems like God has already answered. He's ministered to your spirit, and you know that he is already at work. But there are also times when you read the Bible, and it's as if God has gone silent. And there are times when you pray, and it's as if God is a million miles away. As we go through the book of Acts, we should find considerable comfort that the ministry of the early church was also marked with ups and downs. They would would deliver the message of the gospel wherever they went. And we read of how God blessed with incredible success. And at times they witnessed thousands at one time ...coming to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. But then Satan and his crowd would always arise with persecution and suffering. But through it all, the church remained true... ...and witnessed a faithful God bringing them through their trials victoriously. I want us to realize this morning that you and I, we we, we serve the same God that Peter and Paul served. We preach the same gospel that witnessed thousands being saved. It's the same gospel we preach today. The same Holy Spirit that empowered those men seeks to empower us and use us in our generation. But it requires a people who are committed to see it through. It requires a people that despite the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the victories, and sometimes the suffering and defeat, it requires us to be committed at whatever life throws our way. It requires people who are committed to pray and seek God's power and answers for their troubles. It requires people who refuse to quit. And we learn in the Bible, we find in the Bible that was written for our learning and our admonition, we find examples of such people who face overwhelming odds and difficult trials and tribulations and personal struggles. They overcome them because of their faith in the Lord. As we continue through this book, we have Witness the spread of the gospel. It began in Jerusalem, it went on through Judea and Samaria, and it's beginning to reach the uttermost parts of the world. In chapter 13, we're going to see Saul the saved become Paul the preacher. And throughout the remainder of the book, we see the historical influence of the gospel upon the world. And people coming to Christ and churches being started as he was a man who God used to turn the world upside down. But as the gospel spread, the persecutions have become more and more serious. What began in Acts chapter 4 as simple threats. We, we, we tell you to not speak the name of Jesus. And then let the men go. And they continued to preach Jesus despite what everyone else had to say. Now has become murderous attempts to stop the lost from hearing the truth. So in our first point this morning in verses 1 through 4, we're introduced to a politician who seeks popularity among the Jews. By attacking leaders within the church. Let's read together verses 1 and 2 this morning. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now Herod the king is by name King Agrippa the first. He's the grandson of Herod the Great who was king during the time of Jesus' birth and was responsible for sending his soldiers to murder every child two years and younger hoping to expose of Jesus before his life really got started. This Agrippa is the is also the father of King Agrippa II, who we read about in Acts chapter 26, who, who after he heard Paul's testimony of salvation, he confessed the words, "...almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian." And Paul didn't stop there. He says, "...I don't wish that, I'm, that you're almost." He says, "...I wish you were all together such as I am, to have the faith and to know that your sins are forgiven." And on your way to heaven. When Agrippa's childhood friend Claudius became emperor of Rome. Agrippa, was, Agrippa I was named ruler of Judea and Samaria and other parts of Israel at that time. And in his attempt to attack the church in order to please the Jews. He set his sights on key leadership in the church. James James was one of the big three. In Jesus' ministry, he had the twelve who followed him, but he he often brought Peter, James, and John with him for particular ministries, such as raising the young maid back to life, or in the Garden of Gethsemane, he took them with him a little further. James was the brother of John, and he was always found close to Jesus. But we find in verses 1 and 2 that he became the first apostle to become a martyr for his faith. When Agrippa recognized how his own popularity grew amongst the Jews for this murderous act on James, he decides to go after another well-known figure. Read with me verses 3 and 4. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth To the people. During the week of Passover, no executions were permitted. So Peter was imprisoned for his faith and was placed under the care of 16 soldiers who who were had the responsibility to look after Peter four at a time. And following Passover, Peter was intended to receive a mock trial and then be executed. And such grievous satanic attacks on his leadership left the church in despair that would remind them of the lessons that they learned when Jesus suffered on the cross and died and when Jesus ascended into heaven. At that moment, they began to pray. Before we move to point two, I want you to see a principle on the screen that's important for all of us. When you don't know what to do and can't comprehend what is next, it's important that we join together in one accord and start to pray. We don't always know what's coming next and we don't always know what to do. And sometimes there are things that are absolutely beyond our control. It's important for God's people to recognize that and to come together and pray in one accord. Now my second point this morning, I want you to see on the screen in verse 5 and 6, and that is this. The persistent prayers of a pleading people concerning Peter's plight. Say that five times. I don't want you to forget it. The persistent prayers of a pleading people concerning Peter's plight. In verse 5, the Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door, Kept the prison. I quote E.M. Bounds from his book, The Weapon of Prayer. He writes, prayer affects three different spheres of existence. The divine, the angelic, and the human. It puts God to work. It puts angels to work. And it puts man to work. The church knew that the situation concerning Peter, and therefore the local church in general, was desperate. They knew knew that nothing could be done except God should intervene. So they, they prayed nonstop as a church for God to act. And by doing so, they laid hold on scriptural promises, such as those found in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, where... The prophet writes, Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee. Isaiah 58, verse 9, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Jesus' own Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So the people began to pray without ceasing. And it's interesting that the man that they prayed for even though he was in prison, Steve, was sound asleep. When I was pastoring in Georgia, I was preparing for this message. I, I recalled a particular Wednesday night. We just wrapped up the service and uh, had some things going on afterwards. And I got home about 9 o'clock that night. And as I walked in the doorway, my pastor sent me a text And it said two words, pray now. And I went into my bedroom, and I shut the door, and Christy took care of the kids. And for the next three hours, I began to pray for whatever the need was for God to supply it. And I remember about midnight I sent a text and I said, How are things now? So that I would know how to continue to pray. And I didn't I didn't receive an answer. And I found out the next morning the reason I didn't receive an answer is because he was fast asleep and was able to rest through the night. And God used that moment to encourage me because it was a great honor for me to pray labor and prayer while he slept. Are you with me? There are times when, when people just need you to intercede for, to God on their behalf. And you don't have to know the answers you don't know, you may not know exactly what to pray for, but we're praying to a God who knows the answer. Peter was in a dire situation, Herod had already proven that he was willing to kill, and the church already knew that if God didn't act, They would also lose Peter, a great leader in the church, one that they all admired and looked to, and one that had greatly ministered to them. They knew that God needed to act. But God gave him peace and rest. And I cannot tell you how many times where my own spirit has been troubled and I have faced difficult things... And suddenly somebody sends me a text that says the words, I don't know why, but God is impressing upon my heart to pray more for you today. And how that picks up my spirit and know that not only you're praying, but to know that God is working because he is moving people to pray when I haven't even asked them to. The church couldn't break Peter out of prison. They didn't have an elaborate plan of rescuing him from Herod's sword. And all they had was a united effort to call upon God in intercessory prayer. And they didn't pray for a few minutes and then quit and go home. The Bible says that they prayed without ceasing. And the principle that I want us to get a hold of this morning, you'll see on the screen, is this. There is no stopping a church that makes the matter of unceasing prayer seriously. That takes the matter of unceasing prayer seriously. When early on in this ministry, I had asked people to sign up for a time from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. because I just asked that, that someone was praying for this ministry during the waking hours of something going on. And I was reminded of that this week. I was going through my desk looking for my passport, and I came across that list. And I stopped, and I thanked God for that. Because when people take seriously the matter that if if God doesn't do it, then the best we can hope for is that we will succeed in our own strength. And what we need, folks, is for God to do something that is beyond our own strength. And so if there is there's no stopping a church that takes the matter of unceasing prayer seriously. My third point, beginning in verse 7, is a praying people produced Peter's passage from prison. A praying people produced Peter's passage from prison. Read with me in verse 7. And behold... The angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell from off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was coming to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the Jews." I remember several years ago, I had a preacher friend who told this story. He, he, uh, he went out into the woods to pray, and it was in the late afternoon, and, and uh, it was a particular matter that he really wanted to seek God's intervention in. And So he began to pray, and he prayed for quite a while. He knew he was going to be a while, and he prayed for quite some time. And as he prayed, he began to be aware of a light beginning to shine. And you, you know how it is, your eyes can be closed, but you can tell when a light is shining. You can still sense that. And as he's praying, he's aware that there is a light shining near him. And he continues to pray, and as he's praying, he, becomes, he begins to think of this passage right here. When the angel, of the Lord, when the angel appeared, a light shone upon Peter. And he began to get real quiet and still, and he tried to listen to the rustling of the leaves and any any sense of movement, and there was no movement. And he continued to pray, and as he prayed, the light just got brighter and brighter. And to be honest with you, in his words, he said, I became scared to death. He said, I really wanted to look because I felt like an angel was near me. But I was scared to look. Finally, his curiosity gets the best of him. And he opens his eyes and he's surrounded by darkness. The sun had gone down and now it was dark in the woods. Except for the flashlight that he didn't realize he turned on when he walked into the woods. That's a humorous story, people. He was disappointed it was just his flashlight. Peter, however, didn't wake up to a flashlight. He woke up to an angel who drew near. Suddenly the chains fell off without the use of a key. And the angel could walk right into a fortified prison cell and back out without anyone knowing because he was a ministering spirit sent from God. He could remove Peter's shackles in an instant. But in verse number 8, he made Peter put on his own clothes, put on his own shoes, and put on his own coat and instructed Peter to follow him. And I want you to see on the screen this principle even when miraculously answering our prayers, there are some things that God leaves for us to do ourselves. Peter could take care, the angel could take care of the chains. The angel could take care of the iron gate. The, iron, the angel could take care of the soldiers. But you got to put your own clothes on. you got to put your own shoes on. And you got to get your own self up. And you got to make the decision that I'm going to follow God today. He's not going to do that for you. He can take care of all the other things. But you got to make a decision to get up and walk on your own. In verse number 9, Peter followed the angel out, but the whole time he... Thought he must have been dreaming. In verse number 10, they made it past the first and second ward of prisoners and came upon an iron gate. I used to do this, used to prank my children. They thought I was so cool and can do impossible things. We'd walk into Walmart and uh, or a grocery store. And as we walked to the grocery store, I would tell my little boys, I said, Boys, watch this. And I'd walk up to the door and I'd say, Open, and the door would open. And they thought, Dad, that is awesome. And I said, listen, the same power in me is in you. Why don't you try it? And they walked to the door, and it opened for them. And they just blown away by that. Listen, before electricity and before motion sensors, there has always been the power of God. And Peter and the angel, they approach a big heavy iron gate that was closed, and the Bible says it just opened for them. And they walked out into the street. When they reached the street, the angel departed in an instant because Peter was now free. And he could go the rest of the way on his own. In verse 11, Peter was wide awake and aware of what just had taken place. And he knew that the Lord had sent his angel And delivered him. Now years ago... And this story is not humorous. Years ago I was going through a very difficult season in ministry. And... I remember... I remember it very well. It was my birthday in fact. And we had our regular Wednesday night service. And just before... I walked into the church, I received a phone call from a friend who I'd been ministering to. And he called me weeping that he had just got word that his daughter tried to commit suicide and been rushed to the hospital. And it was just one of those moments where I was like, Lord, I can't handle another thing. I can't deal with this. And I went into the service and I preached that night and while I was preaching a person walked in the back of the auditorium and sat down in the back row I'd never seen that person before and I preached with a heavy heart that night and when I got done that person walked up to me And they said these words, God sent me. They took my hand, and they said, God sent me to give you this mustard seed. Keep the faith. And left. And I never saw that person ever again. Was it an angel? I don't know. Was was it just... I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was... I don't know who it was. I don't know if they were crazy or if they were of God. What I do know is this. I was hurting and I needed something. And God sent it to help me. In verse number 12, when Peter had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of James, who's, uh, John, whose surname was Mark. Where many gathered together praying, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went in another place. Let me back up for a moment. Christy and the kids, they had a cake and ice cream waiting for us. And I couldn't go home. I went, to, I went to my friend's house that night. I tried to encourage him. I prayed with him. We were in contact with a hospital. She lived out of town. And I want you to know that she lived, and the last I heard, she's currently working in the children's ministry at a church in Prattville. God helped us to deal with that. Peter didn't have a way out. The people didn't have a way out. But what they did have, they had prayer. And I don't know what they prayed for, okay? Sometimes we don't know exactly what to pray for. And maybe they were praying for Peter's comfort while in prison. Or maybe they were praying for courage for him and facing his death. Or maybe they were praying that he would keep his testimony in the midst of such a trial and not lose faith. But what they witnessed standing in front of them was Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21 come to life. And I read it for you. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Peter goes to their house. Why? I don't know. I don't know why he chose to go to that house. But he went to that house, and there they were praying, and he knocked on the gate. Rhoda wants, who is it? It's Peter. She's so excited she didn't even open the door. She ran to the others and said, Peter is here. Peter's here. And they said, you're mad. Peter can't be here. He's here. It's his angel. She says, I'm telling you, it's here. And so they come, and Peter's still knocking at the door. And they come to the door, and they are just astonished. They're amazed because their prayer came to a place where it was worthy of praise. And maybe their prayer wasn't. Maybe they didn't expect Peter to be set free. I don't know. You can read into that how you want to. I don't know. But I know this. God is able to do far better than even what we know to pray for. Peter testified under the church how God had delivered him. That's why sharing a testimony is important. That's why sharing an answered prayer is important. That's why sharing a praise is important. Because it encourages and ministers to others, and it helps us to know that our prayers are answered. And they were a church that went from being prayerfully concerned to being astonished with news worthy of praise. And I want to give us this one more quote. A praying church will become a praising church. As we see God answer our prayers, it gives us reason to praise God. And we ought to be just as quick at offering reasons for us to praise the Lord as we are asking for prayer requests. God, give us a praying church that never stops praying. Now, in our final point, the Lord returns us to Herod Agrippa. He had sought to vex certain of the church because it pleased the Jews, and he was a man who sought praise for himself. In verses 18 through 23, we see the praised politician who perishes. Now, as soon as it was day, in verse 18, there was no small stir among the soldiers, what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him, he found him not. He examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend, they desired peace, because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a god and not of man." And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. The Jewish historian Josephus described this event saying that Agrippa appeared before the people that assembled in Caesarea. And he was wearing a garment that was sparkling silver. And as he appeared and stood in the early morning sunlight, the sun's rays reflected over his, off his garment. And it made him look as if he was a glowing light to all that gazed upon him. And as he delivered his speech, the people shouted praises unfit for any man claiming that he was a God and not a mortal man. And immediately, there came an, there, he was overcome by an, a pain in his stomach that crippled him. And Agrippa testified that he knew the lies that he had accepted as praise from the people and the glory that was only meant for God would be the death of him. And for five days, he suffered in his, in his belly with considerable agony. Until he died. Now, I want you to look back in verse number 7. And the Bible says in the middle of the verse that the angel smote Peter. And you go to verse number 23. And it says the angel of the Lord smote Herod. In both instances, the same Greek word is used, potasso, which has two meanings. In one instance, it means to strike gently. I'm going to get off the live stream camera for a moment. But it means, get up, Peter. Arise. Arise. The other meaning, I'll do it on my own son. (laughs) It means to strike with a force. In both instances, they were touched. Because God was trying to get their attention. He smote Peter in order to get him to follow him. He smote Herod because he accepted the praise of men that he was God. Herschel Ford writes, God lovingly pleads with us, but we pay no attention to him. We go our way heedless to his call, turning our backs on him. So he must smite us before we are willing to leave our sins and follow him. Sometimes he touches us to get our attention. Sometimes he smites us with sickness, Because when you're lying flat on your back, the only way you can look is toward God. Sometimes he smites us with great sorrow. It is then that a man realizes he has a need of hope this world does not offer. Sometimes God smites with conviction. He smites the individual's heart with convicting power. And the man sees himself a lost sinner and turns to Christ. But unfortunately, there are some who will never follow because they make themselves the God of their own life, seeking their own way towards self-fulfillment and self-worth. One day, they will be stricken in a manner that ends their life, where they will see just how wrong they were. So in closing, I ask you a question. Is God trying to get your attention? Is God coming along and nudging you? Saying, I'm here, follow me. Is God using trials, troubles, even suffering to get your attention so that finally you'll take your life and start following the Lord? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, what does He have to do? What does He have to do to get your attention? Some people come to Christ after they lose the, have the death of a loved one. Does He have to do that to get your attention? What does He have to do to get you to come to Him? Some people live their life spiritually. And they're only half in. Not really following the Lord. And he's saying, hey, I'm right here. I'm over here. You're going the wrong direction. We need to go this way. What does he got to do to get your attention? Make a decision today. I'm going to get saved today. Make a decision today. I'm going to follow the Lord today. Will we as a church take prayer so seriously that we're willing to pray unceasingly for God to do far above all we could ask for think? That throughout the hours of the day, someone is always calling out to God. God, you help us through this. You help us with what we're facing. God, you get the victory. God, give us an incredible church service. God, help Pastor Ricky preach as if he'll never preach again. And will we seek to praise God publicly for our deliverance? Social media is going to love me. But you know what I'd love to see? I would love to see social media flooded with testimonies of how you were delivered from your sins. Imagine how that would affect people's lives. This is what God did for me. And Peter says, You go tell James and the brethren, God delivered me. Let's bow our heads.